Alright, if you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to ask you to open them up to Luke chapter 16. We're still in the Gospel of Luke. Hopefully you noticed uh, Palm Sunday, we were in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Easter Sunday, we were in the Gospel of Luke. That's all part of the plan. We're, we're going to finish the Gospel of Luke. We're going to do that by the end of August. And so, uh, this morning, we're in Luke uh, chapter 16. And guys, one of the reasons that we teach the Bible this way, uh, it's called exegetical, uh, but, but it's, it's basically one of the reasons we walk through a text like this is uh, for days like today. Uh, because what we find in Luke 16 is one of the parables that nobody ever likes to teach because nobody really understands it. It's the parable of the shrewd manager. There's a guy that is dishonest. Uh, he gets caught being dishonest. He's going to be fired. He has to give account, uh, ultimately, because he's a manager. And he has to give account for how he managed all of his master's possessions. And, uh, and the guy's shrewd. He, he, he's got a sharp mind. And so he prepares uh, for, for his future. And then the manager comes back, and the manager kind of praises him. And it, it's, this, it's this parable that, that we we're like, wait a second, is, is God praising dishonesty? No, that's not what's going on. Uh, God is, God is going to praise this guy for preparing uh, for a future. Um, and, and then Jesus kind of turns to us, and he, and he says some things about what we need to do. And so uh, it, it's one of those things we would skip, or, or we, would, we would just decide, you know what, if I'm teaching a parable, this isn't my favorite one I want to teach. But one of the reasons we, we go through an entire book like this is so that we'll see what even those tough passages have to do with us. And so uh, that's where we're going to be uh, this morning. We're in Luke chapter 16. Uh, and we're going to cover, guys, 1 all the way through 18. So we'll stop uh, in, in your Bible. There's a little subheading that says the rich man and Lazarus. And, and we're going we're gonna to stop there. But uh, uh, this morning, I, I want to begin by just kind of asking you a question. We're really making a statement about our society. Uh, but let's start with the question. How many of you have insurance? Got insurance. All right, awesome. So, uh, so we'll just do the show of hand. Uh, you have life insurance. Okay, awesome. Car insurance. Good. House insurance. Anybody got renter's insurance? Ha ha, okay. How many of you have insurance on uh, some kind of electronic device in your home? Okay, okay. I, do you know, I, I bought a weed eater uh, this, this weekend because, you know, like three of mine have been stolen. Uh, and so I bought, a, I bought, and I was like, by golly, uh, Walmart, you can actually get your weed eater insured now. Uh, it was $8 for two years. If I break it, I get a brand new one. I thought, you know, that, that ain't bad for 8 bucks. It was on sale, so I kind of feel like I got it for free. Uh, that was on purpose on their part. I get it, but... Uh, I, I did some research this week about insurance because here's the thing, and, and maybe you don't see it, but, but, but just as I start praying through this text, because we are a people consumed with insuring ourselves against catastrophe. We are a people consumed with insuring ourselves against catastrophe. That's primarily what our health insurance is, right? I mean, I mean, we pay great amounts of money every month, not necessarily because we're sick. We pay great amounts of money every month in case we, we get something really bad and end up in the hospital, right? I mean, we're insuring ourselves against catastrophic uh, events. You know, we, we, we buy a TV and we think, man, I really don't want to shell out another 50. Well, now that's cheap, but it used to be you'd, you'd buy a TV, $2,500, and you're like, I got to get insurance. I, don't, I, can't, I can't afford this again. So we're constantly consumed with insurance ourselves against uh, against calamity and, and and we live in a world today that really just feeds on our fears and they feed on our fears by offering insurance for everything imaginable and I lie to you not so I did some research this week do you know that I found nearly 100 different types of insurance available for you to purchase 
It's crazy. Everything from the basics, we, we talked about life insurance, health insurance, car insurance, uh, all of our electronics. It, it can be your, your, your TV, your computer, your phone, uh, in, anything you can imagine. Um, like I said, well, you, can, you can insure your weed eater now. Um, there's also uh, insurance for uh, natural disasters. Flood, fire, you know, we, we think about those things. You can get insurance for a tsunami, tornado. Uh, you, you can get insurance for, for anything you can imagine. Um, you can get insurance against the, 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 the case of war breaking out. You can be insured against war. Now, some of you don't go home and buy war insurance, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to sell you on that. Uh, you, you can get insurance, lie to you not, uh, to cover yourself in case of alien abduction. Yep, alien abduction. And I don't know how you prove the claim. I don't know how that works, right? I mean, do, you, do they send out an adjuster and they hook you up and say, no, really, I was, I was up in the ship and, and uh, um, there was a probe. I, I don't know. I don't know how it, how it goes. But, uh, and and my, my favorite was that you can insure a body part. Body part. I, don't go there. I, like vocal cords, you know, you could insure your vocal cords if you're a great singer. I'm thinking about taking out a policy. Uh, <clears throat> Ed is like, no, please, Lord, no. Uh, we are concerned with insuring ourselves against all kinds of calamity, the majority of which will never, ever, ever happen. Yet it seems when it comes to the one thing that is pretty much guaranteed unless Jesus returns, when it comes to the one thing that is guaranteed, death and judgment, we seem to be lacking. That's really the heart of Jesus' message to the disciples in our text today. There is one thing you need to be concerned about, and you're lacking in this area. I think it's a message that speaks greatly to us today. And so if you don't mind, let's pray and ask the Lord to come and teach us and guide us in his ways. Father, thank you for loving us. You're good. You are good, you are good, you are good. We praise you for all that you are and all that you've done. We thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word, even in what many have called a difficult text. Holy Spirit, um, nothing is difficult for you. And so we simply step aside and we ask you to come now and to be the teacher of uh, these people, to be our teacher. Teach us from the inside out the ways of Jesus that he might be lifted up and draw us all unto himself. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Luke 16, starting in verse 1, going through 18. Jesus told his disciples. Now, I'm going to highlight that for a second. There's two groups of people present. You remember uh, back, Jesus had, had said, he who has ears, let him hear. And, and then it told us the people that drew near to him, that pressed into him to hear, were the sinners and the tax collectors. But the Pharisees are there too, okay? There's two groups of people. The first 14, 13 verses deal with the disciples. Verse 14, we're going to have a shift in the audience, or, or specifically a, a shift in who Jesus is speaking to. But right now he's talking to the disciples. So Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he, so he called him in, that's, that's the, the manager, the rich man called him in, and he asked him, what, what is this I hear about you? Give an account for your management because you cannot be manager any longer. See, friends, this is a final accounting. 
This man's going to lose his job, and, and, and the rich man, the owner, is calling him into a final settlement of accounts. He's saying, this is the final deal. Uh, I, I'm, I'm letting you go, and this is your final accounting to me. That's, that's what's, what's going on. This is, this is his day. Says so the manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm, I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm, I'm too ashamed to beg. I, I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. And so he called each one of his master's debtors in, and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? Uh, 800 gallons of, al- of olive oil, he replied. And the manager told him, uh, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it uh, 400 and then he asked the second, and how much uh, do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. And he told him, take your bill and make it 800 uh, bushels. The master, get this, commended the dishonest manis- manager. Again, not, not because he was dishonest, but commended him because he had acted shrewdly. Uh, for the people of this world, Jesus says, are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. Something about the people of light is lacking. Okay? He says, I I tell you, you need to use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when the wealth is gone, you will be welcomed into where? Into their homes? Into just the earthly homes of the people that you help? No. It says so that you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you haven't been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you haven't been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and he'll love the other, or he will be devoted uh, to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You'll, you'll notice that from Matthew's account. This was a common teaching of Jesus. Luke places it here for a reason. And, and then, and then he, he goes on. The Pharisees, now this is our, our shift in target audience. The Pharisees who loved money heard all of this. Now, again, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this, and they were sneering at Jesus. Anybody get a mental image? What, what does a sneer look like? A snicker? <laughs> I don't know. They're sneering at him. And he says to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What's highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached, and everyone is forcing his way into it. You could almost add there, except for you. Everyone else is forcing their way into it. He says, it's easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery. And the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Interesting commentary there at the end. What on earth does that have to do with the parable? That's what we want to talk about, okay? So, so I, I did this with you last week, and I'll, I'll tell you basically um, there are three things going on in uh, our text today. And, and, and those three things, uh, simply put, is, is that Jesus lays out the fact that there's a time that is coming. He says you've got to be prepared for it. 
And he, and he basically says, and every decision you make today matters. Okay? There's a time that is coming. You need to be prepared for it. And every decision you make today makes a difference. It matters. Everything that you do matters. Okay? All of the daily stuff that you're not thinking about is really, really, really important. So let's talk about how those things apply to us. Three things I'll share with you this morning. Here's the first. I want you to understand, according to Jesus, a time is coming when we will be held accountable for how we have handled God's possessions. A time is coming when we will be held accountable for how we have handled God's possessions. Please don't miss it. Uh, You've got to see it here in, in the story. We are merely managers. We are merely uh, managers. We, we're, 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 we're here on earth. We're, we're simply stewards of uh, all that God possesses. That means that we don't possess it, that, that he, he does. In fact, the psalmist uh, declares this in Psalm 24, right? In Psalm 24, he says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and, and all who, who live in it. And, and that means that, that, that it's not ours, we don't own it, that, that it's His. That means that, that when we got up this morning, that the bed that we were laying in, that that was, that was actually God's bed, right? It means that this morning, the clothes that you're wearing, that, that you're actually, you're, you're wearing God's clothes. And, and, and the car that you got here in, uh, it's really nice of you to, for God to loan that to you. And, and, and you thought it was the bank. And yet, you know, here, here, you, you know, you, you're driving God's car and, and you're sitting in God's pews and, and we're here in God's house. And, and everything that we possess, all that money in the bank that, that we said we worked so hard for to provide that, actually God loaned that to us as well. Everything that we have in life actually belongs to the Lord. That's, that's the truth of it all. If, if he's Lord, it's, it's all his. He's the king. He allows us to, to use his things, okay? And you remember this. He actually allows us to use his things in order to store up treasures in heaven, right? For us, a, a very gracious king that we, we serve here. And, and so the Bible says uh, that, that it's all God's and that he's loaned it to us and that he has made us, get this, in his image, uh, and, 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 and he loves us, and, and because he loves us and he's made us in his image, he's given us a task, and that task is to manage, to maintain, and to multiply his possessions. God's task for us, those that are made and created in his image, is to manage, to maintain, and to multiply his possessions, not ours. His. Okay? And, and if you want to see that, look at Genesis one twenty eight with me. It says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, and get this, do what? Increase in number. Okay, that you, you may think, well, that's just talking about sex. I've done that. I've got kids. No, it's not just talking about kids. It's definitely talking about kids. But God's, God's call on, on, on our lives with the stuff that he gives us. Think the parable of the talents. With whatever God gives us, the, the intent is not only to take good care of them, to manage them well, but actually to multiply that which God has given us. He says, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over it, okay, manage it well, rule over it, oversee it, uh, uh, the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground, okay? Uh, manage, maintain, multiply. And so the Bible says uh, that one day, uh, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to see how we've done with this. All of us. Just think through that for a second. So, so when, he, when he comes back, right? I mean, I mean this, this is part of, of our judgment. Did you know me? Right? Sheep and the goats. And then, and then what have you done with all that I gave you? It's a second judgment. It's kind of a different thing. What, what have you done with, with all that, that, that I've, I've given you? Um, 
And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about in our text today. It's basically uh, much like the parable of the talents. He says there's a day that is coming when all managers will be called to a final accounting. All managers will be called to a final accounting. And uh, the, the implication, what Jesus is saying to the crowd, remember uh, these disciples that are here, he's saying, you better be ready. Okay, it would be wise to be thinking about that day today. It would be wise to always have that day in mind so that you don't waste your life. Does that make sense? Have that day in mind. It's a big deal. Okay, two, two. So, he says, he says listen, the day's coming. He says, you've got to get ready. Okay, uh, here, here's this, here, here, what does he mean by that? Ready? Getting ready uh, for rewards in heaven involves proper use of possessions to bless people. Getting ready for rewards in heaven involves proper use of possessions to bless people. Look at verse uh, 9 through 11. I tell you, use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. So that when it's gone, you're going to be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever's dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you haven't been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with True riches. Now listen, when I say getting ready for rewards in heaven involves proper use of possessions uh, here on earth to bless people, I'm not talking about salvation at all. This is strictly talking about uh, rewards. To to tie that to salvation absolutely wouldn't be biblical. But if you'll remember his audience, he's talking to disciples. And many of these disciples, these followers that are now following Jesus, do have a, a good amount of worldly possessions. In fact, many of them are tax collectors. The tax collectors were very well off. And, and, and so remember that crowd that is pushed in, it's, it's sinners and tax collectors or how the Pharisees would describe them. And, and, and it's interesting because Jesus doesn't condemn them for their wealth. Can I say that again? Jesus actually doesn't condemn these people for, 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 for being wealthy, uh, even though some of them gained their wealth through very dishonest means. Right? I, mean, I mean, the tax collector, basically, I, I mean, the Jews would have seen it as dishonest, but, but they had the ability through Roman government. Roman, Roman said, this is how much you... I want from every citizen, and they could tax anything they wanted to above that and keep it as their own. So many would say that was that was dishonest means the way that they would go about, and 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 so so they 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 had great wealth, but 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 Jesus isn't necessarily condemning for them for the wealth. Rather, he's reminding them that they there will be a day that they're going to be held accountable for what they do with that wealth. It's interesting. It kind of speaks to American culture. I, I, I think I think that's a, a good thing. For us, right? To, to hear that God doesn't necessarily condemn us. We, we've heard many times, right? I mean, there's a certain salary line, and I, I can't quote it off the top of my head, but if you make over X amount, which most people in America do, that you're in the top 98% of people in the world. Now, some would, would preach that and say, well, you know, that means, you know, because of that, that, you know, you, it is your sole responsibility to take care of everybody else. It's a lot of people. Well, it's interesting. God doesn't say, that it, it's wrong to, to have X amount of wealth. The cost of living here is also a lot higher than it is in other places in the world. But rather, what he says is you will be held accountable for everything that you have and the way that you manage it. 
That, that's, that's absolutely going to happen. And he challenges this crowd to look beyond this world, uh, look beyond this life to, to the next life. And, and the challenge is to start investing uh, in, in the life that is to come. He says, spend your worldly wealth, use your possessions in such a way as to bless people. As to bless people. That, that's, that's, the, that's the end game, uh, to, to, to bless people. He, he says to make friends. Uh, that are going to last forever. And he, again, he's not talking about being welcomed into somebody's home here, but, but rather the inclination is that when we uh, are willing to use our possessions to bless people, that has something to do with our eternity. It has something to do with our eternity. If we're faithful with little, uh, there's going to be great reward. There's going to be true riches. Again, all of which have to do with eternity. Now, there's an interesting conversation. What are the rewards in heaven? That's a whole, we could spend a whole nother, we could probably spend a few weeks going over, and the truth is we don't know. I, I love John Piper, uh, has, has a whole little paper he's written on it, and, you know, and his, his stuff, he, he's, he's going to say, well, you know, because we, we don't fully know, but what we do know about heaven is that it seems to be a very communal place. The, the, the purpose of heaven, it could have just been, you know, you, you, just God is there and, and, and it was just us and God and then that's all done. But, but, but heaven, it's about renewing the whole earth and it's about everything that that includes. And, 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 and I mean, beauty and splendor and wonder and that it's meant to be a communal experience. And so kind of what he says is that you don't just get Jesus, but, but Jesus and the experience of Jesus is actually made better when it's taken in view of all of his creation, including us. And, and, and so that part of that reward, he believes, is going to be um, experiencing Jesus in light of everyone else that is there. In light of everything that we get to do together. In light of... It's interesting. I, I don't know. I do know this. When you talk about rewards in heaven, it makes many Christians uncomfortable. <laughs> right? I mean, it absolutely does. And I think some of it's just the Pharisee in us. Because immediately, it makes us want to ask, okay, um, so reward system in heaven, how does that work? Is it kind of like I, I, I was at a car place and, and, and I was getting a car wash and right there was the bronze package and the silver package and the gold package and then the platinum, right? Some people go a step higher and then there's some diamond, like a diamond's better than platinum. I don't know. I don't know how you judge those. Things. Then there's the ruby. I, I don't know. But I just want to, it's like if you're going on a cruise, right? What level of the ship are we going to be on, honey? I just want to know. Right. And so the husband's like, baby, listen, like on the cruise, everything is yours. I mean, it's all you can eat buffets all the time. And so, you know, I mean, let's go for the silver package. I'll give you a little tiny porthole you can look out of. That'll be good. Right. In our pharisaical nature, I think we strive. We want to know what's going to be a good level. Where do I where do I have to stop? What what level do I have to attain to kind of get that silver level of Jesus? Surely that's better than the bronze package. Maybe you're an overachiever and you want the gold, right? What, what level, pastor, what level do I have to give and what does that look like? And, and, and the problem with that is Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say. What, what he, he does seem to say, though, is that loving people is more important than accumulating stuff. It seems to be the heart of it. I wish I could give you more than that, but that, that really, really seems to be the, the heart of it. There's a, a couple of guys called the minimalist, and they have this little saying. It says, love people, use things. The opposite never works. I think that's the, the heart of, of what Jesus is saying. And I wish I could give you more, but I can't. All I can say is this. I could summarize the Somehow, what we do with our worldly possessions with our talents that God has given us, somehow what we do with our worldly possessions will have an impact on our 
experience in eternity. That's the truth of the Bible. Somehow. Something to think about. Something to think about. Okay? Which brings me to just our our last point. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. That's, That's really the last point. If we are not faithful in the daily things of life, you could circle that. I know I didn't underline it, and it's okay. You can circle it in your sermon notes. If we are not faithful in the daily things of life, we're not going to be entrusted with the rich rewards of heaven. We're going to get heaven, but whatever this reward thing is, okay? Verse 10 through 18 Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with very much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with true riches? You know, I had this thought this morning. I was thinking through, again, I don't know what the reward system looks like. I really don't. But if you're one of those people that is never on time anywhere, I'm pretty sure you're not going to be in charge of time in heaven, right? Like, I'm pretty sure you're not. I mean, I know a a thousand years is a a day to God. Like, I get that. But it's not like 10,000 years or 10,000. I mean, it can't change every day. It can't, right? I mean, not for heaven to work. So you got to, just saying, some of you have missed out on that opportunity altogether. It was witnessed by the door opening and uh, you making your way in at 845. I love you. I'd be here at 845 if I could too, okay? I don't blame you. I don't blame you. If you haven't been trustworthy with someone else's property, who's going to give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate one or love the other. Can't serve both God and money. The Pharisees loved money. They heard all this. They're sneering. Jesus says to them, you're the ones that justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What's highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached. and Everyone is forcing his way into it. It's easier for heaven and earth to disappear than the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery, and the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. It's interesting why Luke puts all this together. He does it on purpose. He does it on purpose. He he talks about being dishonest with a little bit, and if you're dishonest with a little bit, you're going to be dishonest with with much. And then he goes on, he quotes Jesus, uh, about we can only have one master, uh, we can't bo- love both God and money. Then he talks about the law. And then he talks about marriage and, and adultery. And Luke links all this together on, on, on purpose, right? Uh, and again, remember, Jesus now is addressing the Pharisees that are present and they're sneering. Uh, and, and he's teaching on the proper use of possessions in preparing for eternity. And he's talking to the Pharisees now. Now, he's focused on the Pharisees. And what Jesus says to the Pharisees is huge. He says, you guys are trying to justify a reason for not listening to what I'm telling these guys. You're constantly trying to justify yourself. And that, that, that term is, is interesting. Uh, it means to explain away your actions, to give excuses or reasons why you're not doing this, why this doesn't apply to you. So Jesus just gets real personal with the Pharisees. And he points to two areas of their life that, that they are, they're, 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 they're not doing well in. First, he says, your problem with the teaching I just told these guys is that you love money. 
You are lovers of money. Now, now it's interesting because he, then he talks about the law, right? He's going to talk about the law. He's going to talk about loving God. And, and it's interesting because the Pharisees, and you say, well, what do you mean they love money? I mean, come on, they're, 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 they're the religious people. They're the te- how, could they, how could they even have money? Oh, they, they were lovers of money. In fact, uh, did you know that according to Jewish custom that the Pharisees taught some interesting things about money? Uh, they, they taught that um, it was foolish to give away any more than 20% of your income. To charity. Foolish. You gave more than 20% of your income. Yes, even to God, you're declared foolish by them. Foolish. They, they went further. They, they, they actually went further and said it was forbidden to impoverish yourself by giving your wealth to those in need. Forbidden. And then we have the followers of Jesus in the early church in Acts Selling everything that they have to give to the poor. And you have the Pharisees who love money so much. They said, no, 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 no. There's got to be a cap. There's got to be. I get at least 80%. Do you see the problem? If, if I cap anything in my life, who's Lord? I am. If I cap anything in my life... Whose possessions are they? If I cap anything in my life, I look at the creator that has made everything. And I say, can you move over? That chair looks comfortable. You got it? So they were lovers of money. Not just lovers of money. They were unfaithful in marriage. They were not living up to the daily standards of God's people. The Pharisees taught now not for their wives, but for them, that there was just about, and this is the, the, the uh, there were a couple of, of schools of thought, but Hillel specifically uh, taught that you could divorce your wife for almost any reason, get this, including burning a meal. Oh, it gets worse. Losing your looks. Have a few children. Things aren't all where they used to be. See ya. Absolutely. The men of God declared that was okay. Listen. Jesus is telling them plainly. If you're not faithful in the daily transactions of your life, you are mistaken to think that God would entrust to you anything that will last forever. Okay? It's a big deal. The point, God's ideal, God's standard, so much higher than this. We are called to be faithful with our money. We're called to be faithful with our affections towards God, His law. We're, we're called to fulfill our promises to God, our marriages. We're called to be faithful to God's calling our life, which is to love Him and to love people. Okay? <clears throat> people over possessions. People over possessions. If we can do it, if we can make that work, there will be great reward in heaven is the promise of the Bible. If we don't, if we're not faithful in the daily things of life, why would we ever expect God to reward us with the things that last forever? All right? So let me give you some application. Remember, three areas we've talked about. A time is coming. You need to be prepared. And every decision in life matters. So let me give you some application. Number one, reject the false notion that we have lordship over our possessions. Reject it. It's absolutely not true. It's not your stuff, okay? 
Again, I, I, I alluded to it earlier. You woke up in God's bed this morning and, and you thank Him because it was pretty comfortable, right? And you drove here in God's vehicle and you thank Him and say, Oh Lord, I'm so grateful. I, 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 I could have walked, right? And, 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 and you look pretty good this morning because you're wearing God's clothes, right? And they look good on you, by the way. Okay, they look good on you. And as you sit in that pew, you're experiencing God's air conditioning. All right? We thought it was Harkins that had given it to us. But you know what? Hey, the Lord Jesus has just used him to make sure that we can experience uh, God's uh, air conditioning. And it's pretty good. And that, in fact, it's even better if you step outside today. There is nothing in our lives that we quote, unquote, possess that does not actually belong to God himself. Friends, it is time we step down from the throne. We must reject this thought, this ideology, that somehow we own anything. Our children, our spouse, everything is on loan. It's all God's, and we have a great responsibility. We're his managers. We're his managers. Which leads to the second thing we need to think about. We need to live for the return of Jesus. Total switch in mindset. I'm going to reject my lordship, and I'm going to live to be a faithful manager for Christ's return. Right? Have you ever heard the phrase, keep one eye on the door? <laughs> right? Keep one eye on the door. We talked about that, that parable a few chapters ago back in Luke when the, the master was a long time in coming and he was waiting for faithful servants. When he arrived, the servants were to be ready. The house was to be in order, right? They were to be waiting faithfully. We are to be keeping watch, friends. And I, I, I fear we're, we're pretty terrible at it, if I'm being honest. And the Bible says, like, your, your goal in life, don't get, don't get sucked in. Anybody else just feel the suck? Of, of the American culture, right? Anybody? I mean, don't you? I mean, we are worried about retirement. We're worried about reverse mortgages. We're worried about, like, am I going to make it? I'm worried about college. I think about my kids. And I'm like, man, I, 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 you just feel the pool. And in the midst of it, God is there whispering. He's never yelling at us. He's just gently whispering, keep an eye on the door. Who's the door, by the way? <laughs> Jesus. Just keep one eye on the door at all times, Okay. Keep one eye on the door at all times. Live for his return. Lastly, uh, I think the call, truthfully, is to be faithful in the daily decisions of life. In the daily decisions of life. That's why Jesus brings up money and marriage and the law. really is. If, if we want to be rewarded, I, I, that's awesome, right? I mean, I mean, anybody else read the words uh, of, of God? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Like, th- those are the words we want to hear. And God's response is like, I'm ready to, to speak those words over you. Here's the deal. To be faithful, to be a faithful servant, it, it, like the inclination is that you have been faithful in all the little things before you. And friends, maybe you're here today and you haven't been faithful. But guess what? You still have breath in your lungs. It's not too late. It's not too late today to say, God, I'm sorry. I haven't been faithful in my marriage. I haven't been faithful with my money. I haven't been faithful at my job, right? But you know what? Today, I'm, I'm going I'm to repent. I'm going to repent of those things, and I'm going to be faithful in the little things. You know the little things, friends? Like actually stopping before the stop sign? 
It's easy to laugh when you don't have kids that walk through that stop sign every day and you watch cars blow 10 feet past it every time into the crosswalk. Do you know why it's important to be faithful in the little things? Because some people have four-year-old little girls that don't always look both ways. I've got to be faithful as a steward, as a manager, and tell her if she steps in the street, she'll die. If you step in the street without your daddy, you know God will just do whatever I can at this age. I'll, I'll, I'll undo that later, okay? We've got to be faithful in the little things, friends. The sign when you're driving that says, don't text and drive. And the results when you say, I'm, I'm, I'm good enough. I can handle this. This is my car. I've been driving forever. and You hit a bus, right? When God says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And you ask her why she's not serving you. You've mistaken the role, husbands. And you wonder why the love and the passion's not there. Be faithful in the little things that last for a moment. And you will be rewarded richly in the things that last forever. It's an interesting time period for this message uh, in our church. Uh, Next week, we we have a, a special offering. Somebody might say, Well, aren't we just building a building? Isn't that all that's about? Is that all this place is to you? A building? Because I'll be honest, when I think about First Baptist, it's not this structure I ever think about. It's you guys. Somebody long ago spent money, and they framed this place out, and they dug its foundation, and they ran its electrical, and they put up its walls, And they did so not so that they could have a building. They did so because they were investing in your life. Your life, even though they didn't know you. They thought of you. And they cared enough about you to say, hey, I I, want to build something that has an impact on people's life, on their eternity. Right? I can can look out names and faces. I'm not going to call you people out, but I'm I'm always encouraged when I get an email from you and you tell me what the Lord's doing in your life. It's awesome. Listen. If you think that all we're doing is trying to build a building, friends, come see me. Somebody's told you a lie. It's not the, it's not the point at all. The goal uh, in all of it, it's never been about a, it. There will be a building, but it's so much more. It's about how we believe God wants to use us to touch the lives of people in Elgin, Texas for another hundred years. That's, that's the plan. That's the goal. I, 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 got, a, I got a text this week, and it was uh, just... Just said, you guys may not know, over in that property, really all of Elgin, there's been a lawsuit going on between uh, Aqua and Elgin Water. And so people go, why is Maynard growing and we're not? Because of the lawsuit. <laughs> all settled. Um, 1,400, nearly 1,400 homes right there by the new property coming in. Some of them are starting soon. And that, that's not, and there's still more property. It, it's it, it's going to be more than that. Why did the Lord lay it on our hearts to buy that piece of property in that location? Because he was going to surround it with people that need hope. They need love. They need encouragement. Most importantly, they need to be taught everything that we know. That's called discipleship. You got it? Okay. I know. It's hard. But God allows us 
to manage his possessions. It's a pretty cool thought. And all he says is, friends, my loved ones, please be faithful. Do you guys pray with me? Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your goodness. We love you. Thank you for teaching us even the hard text that we might be able to understand them and be changed by them. God, uh, that is a word we strive to be found, Lord. Maybe the struggle for us today has been in the daily decisions. It's in the little stuff. And the moment that it came from your word, the moment that we talked about daily decisions, we knew exactly what that area was. Father, maybe this morning we were one of those people that uh, we've been calling it my. We've been using that word my way too much. My kids, my house, my job, my, 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 my. And today we need to repent from the false view that we own anything from our lordship. And we just need to submit to your lordship once again. Yours, 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 yours. God, I am thankful today that we get to sit in your house and hear your word. And I'm thankful for all of your people that came here. I'm thankful for the way that you're using them to manage your possessions. Continue to lead us in that way, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.